Hey y'all, welcome to All Truth No Cap, a podcast for teenagers. Please take a second to follow and leave a review. This will allow the podcast to appear in feeds more frequently. If you do have a question or a topic that you'd like to hear, shoot me a message and we'll take some time to address that topic or question. Uh, We are here to help you navigate the world that you live in, so please share this link and give others a chance to listen in and get some help as well. I'm going to look at uh, the second thought from the list that I mentioned in the last podcast, uh, a list that a youth pastor friend uh, had posted as 10 things that teenagers struggle with. And uh, last week, or the last podcast, I'm sorry, we talked about personalizing and living out our faith. The one we're going to look at today is the idea of living in an anti-Christian culture. Living in an anti-Christian culture, you know, um, almost, you know, we say anti-Christian, and I am not even shouldn't even say anti-Christian as much as a, an anti-Christ culture, a culture that is against the, uh, the very one who died for you and died for me. Um, that's what we're going to look at today, and I know, like I said, sometimes it's difficult because we live in a society where there is so much uh, pressure, and, uh, you know, for a while back in the uh, early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s, it was a popular thing to be a Christian. And, uh, you know, different people, different athletes, celebrities, yeah, I believe this, I believe that, okay? But now we're entering a different time. And as a result, the popular thing is not uh, to be a Christian. And so not it's not just, you know, well, we're, we don't believe uh, uh, the same way. It's you can't believe that way. So we're going to look at a passage here in Genesis Genesis chapter uh, 6 is where we're going to be. Genesis chapter 6. I do want to hit one quick thing real quick, just to hit my mind, and then we'll get to this passage here in a second. You know, back during the time of Constantine in the uh, early 300s AD, um, the Roman Empire, uh, it was illegal uh, to be a Christian back before Constantine. Obviously, you know, the, the time of the um, the persecution, obviously the killing of Paul, Peter, all of the uh, disciples and uh, hundreds of others were killed back during that time. It was illegal to be Christian. Then along come some different uh, emperors, and then it was Christianity was tolerated. But then we come to the time of Constantine, and then it was illegal to not be a Christian. In other words, if you were if you were not a Christian, you were persecuted as well. Obviously, we wouldn't think that is right, just as much as we don't think it's right to be persecuted. But just kind of help you understand that uh, society does fluctuate. Uh, but no one could deny that we live in a culture right now that is anti-Christian. It's anti-Christ against God and all that. But we're going to look at, in Genesis chapter 6, Adam and Eve, uh, they've passed off the scene, and uh, we have a genealogy in uh, chapter five of Genesis. Chapter six comes along, and in verse uh, six, or verse five, I'm sorry, the Bible says, "And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that He had made man on the earth, and it grieved Him at His heart. And the Lord said, "I will destroy man." whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. Verse 8 says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Then it says, These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. You know, it's a very uh, discouraging thing to read there in verse 5. Number 1, it says two different times that God repented. Uh, well, that verse, in verse uh, 6 and 7 as well, it says two different times that God repented of uh, of having made human beings. Um, we had sinned so much, and obviously Noah's time, it got beyond uh, even normal sin, if I can even use that terminology. But the Bible says in verse 5, it said every, 
every imagination of the thoughts of man's heart was only evil continually. Three different phrases in there. We see every imagination. In other words, there was not one imagination that was good. But then it says it was only evil. Every imagination, all of them, was only evil. In other words, it only imagined evil. And then kind of an extra piece there, continually. So not only is every imagination of our heart only evil, but now it is a continuous thing. It is constant. Everything we think, everything we do, obviously everything that comes from our heart, according to that verse, well, back at this time, was only evil continually. You know, look at a different passage. We're going to come back to this passage here in a second. But in Matthew chapter 23, uh, I'm sorry, Matthew 24, verse 37, the Bible says, But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, I think technically you can make the argument that, well, that's not necessarily referring to how wicked things were. Well, First Peter kind of sums that up. In First Peter chapter 3, verse uh, 20, the Bible says, um, well, uh, verse 18 says, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. Now watch this, verse 20, which sometime were disobedient. When once the long suffering of God waited in the, in the days of Noah while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. God there saying that in the days of Noah, God was just waiting. The, the uh, We say the children of Israel, but, but mankind, it wasn't the children of Israel necessarily, but mankind was so wicked, much like, uh, I mean, uh, honestly, well, obviously the comparison of the two, but then comparing it to where the world we live in today. Man's hearts only devise that which is evil continually. You know, I, I don't want to, I'm not trying to be a doomsayer with, with this kind of a podcast. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm not trying to draw added attention to, to a world that we already know is wicked. But we see here that Noah lived in this time period. The only imagine or the every imagination of his heart, man's heart, was only evil continually. Well, then Matthew and First Peter both indicate that as it was in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. You know, we live in a day and age where there's a lot of people that, you know, Jesus is coming back and we should. We should live every minute, every second like Jesus is coming back. But no man knows. And in turn, the world we live in is getting darker. It is getting more difficult. And back to the title of this episode of the podcast, we're living in an anti-Christian culture. So to see what, let's look at some characters who um, had to deal with that. Noah being the first here. The Bible says that Noah lived in this area. Um, Noah lived, once again, in a time where the imaginations of man were evil, and that was a continuous thing. And we find then, uh, verse 8, it says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, grace, just so you understand the two, uh, mercy is not getting what we deserve. Uh, in other words, if I were, um, for lack to put just to put it on a lower level, um, that would be like saying, you know, uh, you stole cookies from the cookie jar and your mom caught you. Mercy would be saying, you know what, you're not going to get a whooping for that. Grace is saying, you know what, you're not going to get a whooping for it, and uh, I'm going to try to instill some trust or give you some trust back. In other words, you're getting something for it. Grace is getting something we don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve. For sake of what we're talking about here in this passage, Noah found grace. God gave grace even in an immensely wicked time. You know, your society does not have to define you. Your generation doesn't have to define you. 
your heart defines you. Then here it says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You think, you know what? Well, I'm living in, a, in an incredibly wicked time. You know, I'm living in a time where uh, the every imagination of man's heart is only evil continually. That's the world I'm living in. How do I fix it? Noah found grace. How do I find that grace? Look at verse 9. Middle of verse 9, it says, Noah was a just man. Noah was just in what he did. You know, just uh, the Bible comparison here is the word righteous. Um, you know, we look at justice being justice, but uh, the righteous, our righteousness, well, our righteousness is filthy rags, but God's righteousness. In other words, doing right all the time. Noah here is choosing to do right in spite of the world that he lives in. Sometimes that's difficult. Sometimes we... Um, we cave to the pressure way too easy. Now, once again, I'm not excusing it. I'm not saying it. I'm not saying it's easy either. But far too often, we uh, we allow ourselves leniency. We allow ourselves the chance to that uh, kind of uh, bend what we know is right uh, in order to cave to the culture, the things that we listen to, the things that we watch, the apps on our phone, the friends we hang around. There's so many different things that we allow ourselves leniency on. We give ourselves a pass. Well, this situation or that situation, but ultimately we know what we're doing. And here with Noah, the Bible says that every imagination of the thoughts of man's heart was only evil continually living in an incredibly wicked world, but Noah was a just man. It also says he was perfect in his generations. Now, perfect here, once again, does not mean he was without sin. The comparison would be upright. He was upright. Not only did he, he was a just man, he sought after righteousness, but the second of all, he was upright in his generations. He did what was right. That's not easy. It's not easy when everybody else is doing one thing and you choose to do something different. And once again, I'm not talking about standing up and tooting your own horn. Well, you know what? I'm going to do what's right, standing up on your soapbox and, uh, you know, protesting. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm just talking about doing what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it. Comparisons I put in here, uh, the Bible says when Saul was chasing David, um, David had done nothing wrong. David had simply followed what God wanted him to do, and he was doing what God wanted him to do, following God's leading. But the Bible says that David, or I'm sorry, Saul sought to kill David. David, but over and over, it uses the phrase, it says that David behaved himself wisely. You know, because he behaved himself wisely, the Bible says that Saul feared him all the more because he realized that there was a God backing him. You know, teenager, you'd be well behooved, you would be well benefited to behave yourself wisely. Teenagers already get a bad rap. Because you're a teenager, you're going to do stupid things and not everybody has the grace and patience that maybe a youth pastor would have or even your parents would have. Uh, some people that was teenagers this, teenagers that. So you need to learn to behave yourself wisely. Do right no matter if it costs you or not. And so we see, first of all, uh, the Bible says that Noah was a just man. He sought Christ's righteousness. But, second, but then second of all, perfect in his generations, he chose to do right. Along the lines with that, David, or I'm sorry, Daniel, the same thing. The Bible says that the uh, those princes that were against Daniel got with the king and told the king, "Hey, you know what? You know why don't we make a, a pact that uh, for 30 days no one can ask anything of uh, of any other god of anyone other than the king." And the king, once again, not thinking through it, not thinking through the decision that was being made and the consequences or the repercussions, said, "Sure, that sounds like a great idea," and passed it into law. The Bible says Daniel, obviously being part of those princes, Daniel would have known what the law was, especially if a new law had just come out. And the Bible says Daniel knew that. The Bible says that Daniel rose up, opened his windows, and began to pray as he did aforetime. 
Now, I don't know that I would have had the boldness that Daniel had uh, to do it publicly like that. I would hope that I would continue to do what I'm supposed to do. But teenager, like we said at the beginning, we live in a dark world. I don't know what what that's going to entail, what's going to happen, if there's going to be punishments for it. I don't know, but I do know that we are to do what's right. Noah was able to do right even in the world that he lived. David was under uh, threat of his life and still behaved himself wisely. Daniel did as he did aforetime. In spite of the threats, in spite of what uh, the repercussions and consequences could have been, he still chose to do what's right. An interesting thought then with the three Hebrew children we've talked about multiple times in our series Refined. But the three Hebrew children told the king, look, king, we're not going to bow. Our God, you know, our, our God, the one we serve, he's going to protect us. But even if he doesn't, know from us, king, that it's not going to happen. We refuse to bow to this idol. And I'm trying not to be harsh. I know it's a podcast. I'm not preaching a sermon. But teenager, you'd be well benefited to choose to stand against your culture. A counterculture, if you will. We cave far too much. We see the world stand up and uh, the world do this and do that and dress this way and sing that way and play this type of music and present these type of videos, vulgar videos that I see uh, pop up on feeds from different teenagers. I can't believe that someone would watch that thing. And then I wonder, you know what? Why? Why do we cave to a culture Why don't we stand for what's right? Why don't we create a culture that says, you know what, that's wrong and here's what's right? Standing in spite of the darkened culture that they were living living in. And that's where we find ourselves here. We find ourselves with Daniel and we find ourselves with David and obviously with the main story here with Noah. The Bible says that Noah was a just man. He was perfect in his generations. But then the last thing I want you to see in verse 9, the Bible says that Noah was walked with God. Noah learned to walk with God. Now we can look back at uh, Noah's grandpa. Noah's grandpa was a man named Enoch. Now I say grandpa, I think he was two or two or three generations past that, but I'm calling him grandpa. But uh, Noah would have seen or, or, or heard about Enoch. And the Bible says that Enoch multiple times walked with God, and he was not because God took him. And you can imagine Noah growing up saying, you know, what happened to Grandpa Enoch? Where did Grandpa Enoch go? And his family telling him, well, Grandpa Grandpa had such a great relationship with God that one day God just took him to heaven. That had a huge impact on this on little Noah at that point, and obviously Noah as he would become uh, the, the one who would build the ark. But the Bible says that he walked with God. You see, teenager, being just and seeking after God's righteousness, that's good. And uh, choosing to do right, that's good as well. But neither one of those are going to happen unless you have a relationship with Christ. Neither one of those are going to happen. You wonder, why do I struggle so much with doing what's right? And I'm drawn to the wrong things, and I'm drawn to the wrong videos, and I'm drawn to the wrong music, and I'm drawn to the wrong friends, and this, and I'm pushed toward it. All that happens because we are allowing our relationship with God to struggle. (coughs) Excuse me. We allow our relationship with God to struggle, and as a result... It leaves room for the devil to move in. It, it leaves the world uh, an opportunity for the world to move in. And teenager, you're not going to survive as a Christian that way. You're going to get chewed up and you're going to get spit out. Living in, a, in an anti-Christian or anti-Christ culture is difficult. No one said it would be easy. But ultimately, that relationship with God is what's going to sustain you. You know the times where maybe your group of friends or your friend group, if you will, has deserted you because you've chosen to do what's right or you've chosen not to get involved with this or that. Then in turn, your friend group deserts you, okay? That relationship with God will sustain you. It's enough for you. Over and over throughout the Bible, he tells us that he's enough. 
And Paul multiple times asked God to remove the thorn in the flesh, but God says, look, my grace is sufficient for you. And so then Paul goes from, you know what, remove it to, you know what, my or your strength is made perfect in my weakness. You know, teenager, it's at those times that your faith is forged. The faith that we talked about in the last episode that you need to own and you need to live out, it's forged through difficult times like that, through your relationship with Christ. When's the last time you opened his word? When's the last time you spent time with him? When's the last time that you went to him and said, God, I've got to have something from you today? But no, we'll run to Instagram, we'll run to TikTok, and we'll get our satisfaction from that. We'll get our laughs from that. We'll get what we need from that. And in turn, it's a shallow, empty life. Learn to walk with God. Learn to develop that relationship because when it comes down to it, that is what's going to sustain you. Now, like I said, unfortunately, sometimes we have to learn through the school of hard knocks. We have to learn through difficult circumstances. And that's unfortunate. But that's the way sometimes life goes. So teenager, like I said, learn, first of all, uh, that you are in a darkened culture. Much like the days of Noah, every imagination of man's heart was only evil continually. That's the type of world you're living in today. So how do you stand? Well, number one, learn to walk with God. Develop that relationship. Open his word and say, God, feed me today. Give me something to get through today. Then after that, choose to seek his righteousness and choose to do what's right. It is possible. It's not easy, but it is possible. It's a choice that each of us make. Well, I hope it's been a help to you, and I hope you you take that kind of a lesson and you apply it to your life today. Like I said, we've gone through two so far. We talked about, first of all, personalizing and living out your faith, and then second of all, living in an antichrist culture. I hope you take those things and you plug them into your life and you become the effective Christian teenager that God wants you to be. But until next time, we'll see you later.